Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Give them a call. They do a great job. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net. We have a great show lined up for you today, including guests William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, Dr. Joel Zoll Zinberg. Joel Zinberg will be joining us. He's a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We'll be talking about vaccine mandates. Brad Belumbo, he's the domestic correspondent for the Foundation for Economic Education. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. It's April the 1st, and on this day in 1700, English, English pranksters began popularizing the annual tradition of Fool's Day by playing practical jokes on each other. Although the day, also called April All Fool's Day, has been celebrated for several centuries by different cultures, its exact origin remains a mystery. Some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to 1582, when France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, as called for by the Council of Trent in 1563. People who were slow to get the news or failed to recognize the start of the new year had moved to January 1st, had continued to celebrate it during the last week of March through April 1st, and became the butt of jokes and hoaxes. The pranks included having paper fish placed on their backs and being referred to as April Fish, said uh, to symbolize a young, easily hooked fish and a gullible person. April Fool's Day spread throughout Britain during the 18th century. In Scotland, the tradition became a two-a-day event, starting with hunting the gowk, in which people were sent on phony errands, a gowk, the word for cuckoo bird, and followed by Tally Day, which involved pranks played on people's derriers, such as pinning fake tails or kick-me signs. <laughs> oh, my goodness, back in the day, having such fun, huh? So I thought it might be interesting to start the show by looking at our own April Fools, and I found a couple of examples. Let's start off with Representative Maxine Waters. She told a crowd of people seeking housing vouchers, some of whom said they were homeless, that she wanted them to go home during a chaotic scene in Los Angeles, according to a video published uh, uh, Tuesday night. Waters also attempted to quash the story about the incident, telling the Times in an interview Tuesday morning not to publish it or report it about the video, according to the outlet. It's a bunch of rumors, Waters said to the Times. You'll hurt yourself and the community trying to put this together without background, she warned. I don't want you to start trying to write it. You won't understand it, she said. The incident occurred Friday when a nonprofit called Fathers and Mothers Who Care, a self-described homeless triage center, was holding one of three planned events in South Los Angeles to assist people with finding housing. The Times reported that, however, that the mostly homeless attendees had shown up with a misunderstanding from inaccurate information on the social media. They could receive rare vouchers for permanent subsidized housing, that is, Section 8 vouchers. In the video, Waters is seen with a mask under her chin telling the crowd, I want everybody to go home, which at which point somebody yelled, We don't got no home. <laughs> That's that's why we're here. 
<laughs> oh my goodness, Maxine. At one point during the video, the founder of the nonprofit called Kingdom Warriors Foundation confronted Waters, who dropped the F-bomb, though it was censored out of the video. Excuse me, there's nobody in Washington who works for, uh, for their people any effing harder than I do, said Waters. It's probably true. I mean, she's probably operating at the maximum of her capacity. Unfortunately, she doesn't have a lot of capacity, but irrespective, <laughs> we don't got no home. <laughs> Ms. Waters, my goodness. Well, let's see if we can find another example. Here's one. Vice President Kamala Harris uh, tossed up another word salad following a meeting with the Prime Minister Jamaica. The White House uh, sit-down with the island's nation leader, nation's leader, Andrew Holness, commemorated the 60th anniversary of diplomatic ties between the countries, marking the first time in nearly 30 years that a Jamaican leader had visited the White House. It's a big deal. How, uh, Harris, whose father is Jamaican, said she and Holness discussed COVID-19, climate change, and the war in Ukraine. For Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way that it impacts has been pandemic. We will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery by assisting in terms of recovery efforts in Jamaica that has been essential. <laughs> she actually said that. The Republican National Committee tweeted a clip of the Harris comments, which uh, Twitter used promptly, deemed gibberish. Oh boy, tweeted uh, Grace Vasquez. Her term papers in college must have been a blast to read. While the effort to assist is essential, our effort is assisting will be one of the most essential. <laughs> Damn poor Jamaica, tweeted a user under the handle uh, Nithyland. After the speech administration released a caveat that the assistance would only be provided if they understood and can explain back what the vice president said. <laughs> she has convinced herself that everything she says is deeply profound, wrote another uh, uh, twi Twitter or tweet. Harris, whose communication team has been nearly constant turnover and has been plagued by White House whispers that she doesn't prepare for assignments, prompted head scratching earlier this month with a bizarre ramble in Louisiana. We were all doing a tour of the liberty here and talking about the significance of the passage of time, right, she said. Harris said that by promoting Internet access in rural areas, the significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, this is a great significance to passage of time. There's such a great significance to the passage of time when you think of a day in the life of our children. And yet another episode that drew relentless online uh, mockery. Harris appeared on a radio show called The Morning Hustle when she was asked to put the war in Ukraine in layman's terms, and she obliged, but with a simplistic clarity perhaps better suited for young children. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists nearly next to another country called Russia. She wanted to explain. Just, boy, she's so tone deaf. Anyhow, I thought you might enjoy that on April Fool's Day. Meeting with uh, the minister of... Uh, uh, Jamaica after 60 years. It's the first time 30 years in the country and he meets with Kamala. Must have been quite a surprise. Well, here's another one. President Joe Biden vastly overpromised Americans they could expect savings of $500 a month by transitioning to renewable energy, which the White House corrected by saying the savings would actually come over the course of a year, not a month. In a fumble during a speech on gas prices on Thursday, Biden touted rebate programs for consumers switching to green energy by incorrectly cast how much would be saved. If your home is powered by safer, cheaper, cleaner electricity like solar or heat pumps, you can save about $500 a month on average, Biden said. My goodness, he really said that. <laughs> 
The White House corrected remarks by Biden in a transcript making clear that he meant to say savings predicted will be over the year, not a month. His plan will help ensure Americans create millions of good-paying union jobs in clean, cutting-edge industries for generations to come, the statement said. And it'll save American uh, families money in the immediate future, including more than $950 a year in gas savings from taking advantage of electric vehicles and an additional $500 a year from using clean electricity like solar and heat pumps. <laughs> so that's Joe Biden's uh, contribution to April 1st. Now, by the way, President Biden on Thursday afternoon said he would release 1 million barrels a day from the country's strategic petroleum reserve to help slow rising gas costs in the United States while putting much of the blame for the solar energy costs on Putin's price hike and oil companies whom he said are putting profit ahead of oil production. This is uh, That's another lie, uh, President Biden. Unfortunately, the oil companies are not putting profits ahead of uh, people. And it's uh, really on your back, Mr. President, that, that we have this situation. And taking a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is a bad idea because it's there for the emergencies, and we're not in an emergency situation right now. He said American families' decisions about filling up their vehicle ta- gas tax should hinge on whether dictator demands war. It shouldn't hinge. Biden had announced a two-part plan to serve as a bridge between the energy shortage and the end of their Ukraine war, and he called Putin's war and domestic production increases. To encourage a domestic production, Biden will call on Congress to make companies pay fees on wells from their leases on public land they haven't used in years. The president also uh, blamed the public or a pandemic for higher prices at the gas pumps, which he said over the past year have increased the average cost of a gallon from $3.30 to $4.20. He said demand plummeted amid uh, pandemic lockdowns and then soared as virus numbers dropped resulting in higher prices, and supply could not meet demand. He suggested oil companies have not ramped up production to meet demand to take advantage of high prices results from demand exceeding supply. Now, Christy Nome, who's, of course, the governor of North Dakota, reflected on her his statements and said, opening up the reserve like he did, that basically is just a warm and fuzzy, that is uh, a smoke show for the fact he doesn't want to solve the real crisis, which he could solve, if he, well, for example, just open up the reserves in Alaska, could be solved very quickly. Just announcing that was going to happen and not and releasing the regulations on oil companies would give them a greater uh, aggressive posture towards uh, solving the problem. But he's got them in shackles, regulatory shackles, unfortunately. So a hundred of uh, a caravan of hundreds of migrants are leaving Tapachula, Mexico. The first stop will be Mexico City, with the final destination being the U.S. border. This is a direct result of Biden's administration's decision to end Title 42. The date of the policy's termination is tentatively set for May the 23rd. This is really a bad idea. It used to be if you're going to want to apply for asylum, you'd have to stay in Mexico in order to, to get the clearance. But now he's Title 42. He's going to do away with that. The Department of Homeland Security knows what is about to happen is scrambling to counter the wave of migrants that will arrive on the southern border and attempt to cross into the United States, either by asking for asylum at a port of entry or crossing and simply waiting for law enforcement to apprehend them. 
Both methods of entry require resources that must be increased in order to manage the situation. The law enforcement currently on the border, including Border Patrol agents, are already overwhelmed. The Biden administration has not provided adequate resources or personnel to manage the flow of illegal migrants uh, since Biden took office. When he campaigned for office as president, he promised to freeze deportations and work for blanket amnesty for millions of illegal aliens are already in the country. He's done a great damage to our national security and public health policy by trying to halt as many policies and agreements used during the previous administration as possible, simply to prove he's a humanitarian and not a bad orange man. <laughs> At Department of Homeland Security's Secretary of Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, stated that his first priority would be ending the pandemic, yet literally millions of migrants have around the world have shown up at the border, and it is solely because of this administration's promise of non-enforcement of federal laws in place. This is not rocket science. When Biden calls for an open border and suspension of laws of the land, migrants respond. They come to the border expecting to be allowed in to enter the country. So we're going to have uh, tens of thousands showing up, in fact, they, they expect 18,000 people per day. 18,000, that equates out to more than 500,000 people each month that want to come into the country and will come, especially with the dropping of uh, this rule. Unfortunate. That's not April Fool's. That's a tragic occurrence right here on our border. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' Longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Call Your Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that the Lulabee's commercial reminded me they have great outdoor dining now that the uh, Green Tree Plaza has been redone. It's just beautiful there. Enjoy great breakfast or lunch at Lulabee's. So this segment of the show brought to you by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. I hope you download the app and uh, visit choicesocial.us, the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Brad Palumbo. Right now we have with us William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. A pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of liberty at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Uh, so the president's presented a $6 trillion budget uh, to Capitol Hill. I wanted to get your thoughts and reactions to the budget he's pr- proposed. <laughs> you bet. So this is Biden's first full budget. Um, these things take about a year to put together, and presidents in their first year in office don't have enough time to do so. Um, I should also note that uh, these these presidential budgets are aspirational. Um, ultimately, it, it is Congress that has the power of the purse. So, mm. in essence, these presidential but budgets are an expression of the administration's priorities. Um, so, with that said, what are Biden's priorities? Um, well, this would raise taxes by $2.5 trillion. It's one of the largest, if not the largest, tax or would-be tax increase in history. Um, it would result with the U.S. having the highest top rates for individuals and corporate income in the world or among developed countries. Um, and I guess the beneficiaries of all this government spending would be the education and public health sectors, which would stand to um, receive hundreds of billions of dollars worth of, of you know, government public monies. Um, uh, thankfully, um, this landed with a thud on Capitol Hill. Um, it, it's not just the uniform Republican opposition. Uh, progressives, too, were offended by all the military spending. Hmm. Um, so he didn't really please either side. Um, as, and, you know, of course, this is uh, not likely to go anywhere. But as an expression of the administration's priorities, it is telling. Um, and uh, to, to, to that end, I should also note here, uh, the president, there might be a, a credibility gap growing. Um, you know, and this incorporates a number of issues, but I think the budget and his, his rollout for it um, is demonstrative of this credibility gap. And that is to say, it's a $6 trillion budget. It entails, you know, again, trillions of dollars worth of government spending, um, big tax increases. And Biden goes on and on during the rollout about how it's as big, uh, this is his, his secret weapon to fight inflation. 
um, which again is just sort of ludicrous and besides the point. So uh, not just the substance of the proposal, but also sort of the, the, the sizzle to the stake, I mean, the, the rollout. Um, I thought both of them were telling. You know, it just makes you wonder if he understands the laws of cause and effect, if he truly understands economics or what's going on. I mean, it seems to me he's just tone deaf in terms of what the public is thinking right now. I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, you know, again, I think he's trying to put uh, uh, at least rhetoric to that end, you know, when he claims that this is some big inflation fighter. But the problem is that's ludicrous at face value and no one believes it. Yeah, unfortunate. So uh, just uh, he's also made another proposal for a uh, nominee for the Labor Department, apparently, and that looks like it's being scuttled. Indeed. So this was David Wheel, who was nominated to head the labor, an important uh, division within the Labor Department, the Wage and Hour Division, um, uh, that Nathan's polices uh, government contracts or you know people who benefit from government contracts or businesses and ensures that they pay pay what is known as the prevailing wage. Um, but that aside, his nomination was scuttled. This is a gentleman who had served for three years in the same position during the Obama administration. Um, he incurred opposition from three Democrat senators, um, so the entire contingent from Arizona and also Manchin. Um, this is the fourth Biden nominee to have been scuttled in the Senate. Um, there was also, we spoke, I think, two weeks ago about the top cop at the Federal Reserve or the Wall Street top cop at the Federal Reserve. Um, there was also the OMB pick, um, Neera Tandon, and also uh, a gentleman to run the ATF. But my point here is that these numbers are very comparable to the sort of difficulties that the Trump administration had in getting their team together. And back when Trump was doing it, the media trumpeted um, how this was a sign of incompetence um, and, and how, you know, it was uh, business as usual with the dysfunctional Trump administration. Yeah. Um, but we're not hearing such reports um, these days when it comes to the Biden administration. Uh, of course not. Uh, kind of <laughs> unfortunate. But any update on uh, the Katanji uh Brown and uh, her nomination. Uh, how's that going? Because it seems to be deafening silence. Well, so uh, KBJ, uh, her nomination proceeds apace. So uh, the news this week is that Maine Republican Maine Senator uh, uh, Susan Collins said that she is going to vote in favor um, of Judge Brown Jackson. Um, and she cited uh, her disappointment or her uh, 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 how she rues the how divisive this process has become and how she sort of pines for um, yesteryear when the Senate lent more deference to the president's picks as long as they were qualified. And frankly, I'm sympathetic to that notion. Um, but uh, the long and short of it is her support uh, means that uh, the, Judge Brown Jackson, uh, her that she will not have any problems getting confirmed and that indeed it will be bipartisan. It's still an open question as to whether or not uh, Senators Romney and Murkowski um, would offer their support. Um, but certainly Senator Collins' announcement was the news this week. Uh, next week, her uh, uh, nomination is expected to get a vote in the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday. Um, it's expected to be a deadlock 11-11 vote, which will then incur a process by which a Democrat majority will kick it out of committee. And as we noted last week, ultimately, we expect a floor vote in the Senate on her nomination by Friday, next Friday. 
Uh, well, so it moves forward then. So uh, last question before I let you go. Uh, I understand there's a uh, NBC reported that uh, there's been huge amount of waste, hundreds of billions of dollars in the pandemic spending. A- any comments? <laughs> Shoot, uh, briefly, it finally made the network news. Um, so this is something we've spoken about before. Uh, they pointed to about $600 billion worth of pandemic spending related fraud, much of it by international criminal organizations. Um, you know, again, as we've noted on prior calls, this was sort of baked into the design. I mean, this money was designed to get out the door as fast as possible with as few safeguards as possible. Um, this is the fault of Congress and two administrations, both the Trump administration and the Biden administration. And it is uh, it is hoped that this is uh, what will lead to some serious thinking about the prudence of rushing money out the door in the future. And I understand he's asking for more. It's unbelievable, more stimulus <laughs> dollars. I remember when a trillion dollars or a billion dollars was a lot of money, you know. <laughs> it was kind of a, it's really, it's painful now, just uh, at the time we're all completing our taxes. It's very painful to hear. William Yeaman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. William, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you, William. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Joel Zinberg. Uh, He is a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Larry Bell and Dodd Professor at the University of Houston. Right now we have with us Dr. Joel Zinberg. He is a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute and Director of Public Health and Wellness at the Paragon Health Institute. Dr. Zinberg, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me this morning. It's always a pleasure. And uh, tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Well, the Competitive Enterprise Institute is a free market think tank, and we try to discourage unnecessary government regulations uh, and allow the free market flourishing to occur. Uh, It's a big task. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. A a noble cause. So, uh, Dr. Zinberg, you wrote a paper that I I found so interesting, and I wanted our listeners to be uh, aware of what's going on. You say science shows the vaccine mandates are no longer necessary. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, so basically what the whatever considerations were really advanced to justify vaccine mandates have largely uh, disappeared. Uh, and, and the reason is that mandates are typically justified as a way to protect people from becoming infected and transmitting the virus on to someone else. So the argument goes that Excuse me. Even if people decide to endanger their own lives by remaining unvaccinated, uh, their decision would endanger others because they could become infected and expose others to disease. And in addition, the claim has always been that failure to get vaccinated could lead to large numbers of sick people and overwhelm the hospital system, uh, and therefore it, you know, would it interfere with the, everyone's ability to get health care for COVID-19 and other medical needs. And the fact is that there are a number of reasons why those uh, those uh, justifications no longer hold water. First and foremost, is we've had successive waves of new variants, and with each wave, uh, the vaccine has gotten less effective in terms of keeping you from becoming infected. That's particularly the case with the Omicron variant, which is much less effective uh, in that regard. Secondly, the number of ICU beds this whole flatten the curve a justification no longer holds water because the number of ICU beds are well within uh, filled are well within normal ranges. The numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from COVID are declining. And finally, you you have a population that's largely protected. We have you know probably close to 70% of the population is already vaccinated. More than 50% of the people have already. Uh, had COVID and recovered from it, which gives you natural immunity and protects you. So for all those reasons, the justifications don't really make much sense anymore for mandates. And also, uh, right now, I think it hasn't been proven that the fact is that uh, anybody who has COVID or has had the vaccine uh, can still pass on the, uh, the, the, va- the virus to other people. In other words, it doesn't prevent that from happening. The, the, the argument that somehow getting vaccinated to protect other people just doesn't uh, hold water. Right. No, that was, that was really my first point. That In other words, when, when the vaccines first came out, they were very effective mm-hmm. at uh, protecting you against infection. Uh, but first of all, that protection wanes with time, number one. And number two, with, each of, with all of these new variants, uh, the vaccine has gotten less and less effective. So it was less effective in, in protecting you from infection with the Delta variant. Now it's less effective with the Omicron variant. There's a new subtype of Omicron called 
uh, BA.2, which is even more transmissible than the original Omicron, so it's less effective there. So, you know, for all the, I'm not saying it has no effectiveness, but it, it's really markedly lower than it once was. So yeah. it, it's really a much lower level of, of effectiveness in keeping you from getting infected and therefore in protecting anyone who's around you from getting infected. Yeah, well, thanks for that clarification, doctor. You know, I, for one, I'm for the free market, just as we allow uh, the free market to determine who buys, who sells, and at what price. Seems to me, when it comes to public health, we should allow people to make their own decisions about if they have a, a, a compromised immune system, you know, stay inside, stay away from other people, and get vaccinated and all that type of thing. But uh, for young people that may not have a problem, I think they could make their own decisions about that. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I would, I would, you know, having said all the things I just said, I would still encourage everyone to be vaccinated, uh, you know, because even though the effectiveness against infection has waned, the shots remain highly effective at protecting you against severe COVID disease and death. So I would uh, encourage everyone to be vaccinated, particularly people who are immunocompromised yeah. or people, the elderly, people over 65 or, and people with multiple medical conditions. Yeah. But for younger people, you know, the COVID has never been as severe a disease, number one. So, and number two, you now have this situation of the vaccines waning. So, you know, it's, it's really much not as clear that everyone needs to, to uh, be forced by the government to get vaccinated. They certainly can make their own decisions. And the re as I said before, the reality is people have made their decisions. We have most of the country is vaccinated. Right. And, and many of the people who are unvaccinated have already had COVID and have natural immunity from that, which mm -hmm. is just as good as being vaccinated. So you, you're in a situation where forcing people to do something that they don't want to do no longer is justified. Right. Well, the other concern I have is the uh, VAERS report that's showing the, uh, the effects of uh, somebody who becomes vaccinated, the negative effects. Of, there's been, I understand, that report has been somewhat repressed. I mean, there's a trade-off. There's a risk-reward. And there is a risk, and I'm concerned that it's not even a risk that people understand in terms of getting vaccinated themselves. Well, look, you know, there are always risks and benefits of any medication, including vaccines. Um, but this is appears to be a, you know, an effective vaccine in terms of protecting you from disease and a relatively safe vaccine. You know, hundreds of millions of people have have received these vaccines. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you could really hide large numbers of side effects. So I, I would reassure your listeners that the vaccines are safe. That's not to say there aren't side effects, but thankfully they usually appear to be pretty mild. And even the more severe side effects, usually uh, people get a full recovery from. So, you know, they sh shouldn't be scared of taking the vaccine. But nevertheless, that doesn't mean we want to force anyone to take the vaccine. Yeah, Dr. Joel, Zol Joel Zinberg, again, medical doctor and a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I believe the website is CEI.org, is it not? That is correct. All right, CEI.org is the website. Dr. Zinberg, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Have All a great right. day. You as well. Thank you, doctor. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Brad Palumbo. He is a domestic correspondent senior domestic correspondent with the uh, uh, Foundation for Economic Education. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Professor Larry Bell, and dad professor at the University of Houston. Right now, we have with us Brad Palumbo. He is the domestic, senior domestic correspondent for the Foundation for Economic Education. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Brad. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Well, it's the nation's oldest free market think tank, uh, educating young people about capitalism. Go to fee.org to check it out. If you have a young person, uh, high school or college age, strongly recommend that you introduce them to this great organization that uh, can possibly change lives in a very positive way. Fee.org, F-E-E.org. Brad, we're moving into tax time right now, and uh, we understand that the president has a little bit of an appetite to increase taxes for the American people. And I know you've written about it. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, so he just released a new budget, uh, and it includes a bunch of tax hikes. Some of them are we already knew that he wanted to do, like raising the corporate tax and raising the income tax. But it also included a new so-called billionaire's tax. Essentially, it's a tax on unrealized capital gains, the growth in the value of stocks that you haven't sold yet, for example, um, that's only technically applied to people who are worth more than $100 million. 
but it's an attempt to go after wealthy people who he thinks aren't paying taxes, but actually it would hurt a lot more than just the wealthy. In what ways? Well, so anybody who owns a 401k would be hurt very badly by this tax, not because it would apply to them directly. Mm -hmm. It only would apply to super wealthy people, but because it would force wealthy people to basically engage in mass tax uh, stock sell-offs that would really hurt the stock market overall and lower stock values. And so basically anybody with a 401k or that owns stocks, which is a majority of American adults, would pay the price. The Biden says, oh, we're only going to tax the rich. Yeah, well, you know, this is an that was a concept that started back in, was it 1913 when the first income tax was put in place? It's only going to be taxing the rich. And I think another point here is that it's like the camel's head in the tent. Once you start a program like this, you start lowering the level at which the taxes start to occur. And besides, the opportunities for fraud are just unbelievable. How are they going to know what's... <laughs> The basis of, you'd have to report the basis of everything every year. It would be just incredibly complex. It's also just a bad idea conceptually because when you tax something, you get less of it, right? That's why they put a tax on cigarettes, for mm -hmm. example. Uh, but a capital gain, if you think about it, is just a fancy way of saying a return on a productive investment in the economy. Right. Why would we want to tax that and punish that when that's actually a good thing for everybody? Great for the economy, indeed. This also reminds us that we're uh, moving into tax time. We're also concerned about spending. We watch the proliferation of needless spending and waste in the United States government. And you've written about that. Uh, any thoughts? Oh, yeah. Look, there's so much waste going on uh, at the federal government that you get a new uh, a new example every day. Uh, even, for example, a few weeks ago, they passed a bill, um, a big spending bill that had like $10 billion worth of earmarks, pet projects like a bridge here, special funding for this university here, all these things. And then basically every single day, um, a new story comes out. The Department of Interior, for example, lost, in air quotes, uh, $175,000 in receipts for credit card purchases. Hmm. hmm. I wonder I wonder what they spent that money on, right, that they lost the receipts. You yeah. get digital receipts these days for credit cards. Um, so you don't really lose them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, just the government's wasting so much money that, that it's hard to even keep up with it all. But that's a big part of what we try to do. Well, and, and the, the sad thing is that people work hard for their money, and uh, the government extracts this money. They require people to pay the, their income taxes, and when they do, they seem to have absolutely no, no regard uh, for the value that it has to the individual person who earns the money. They just spend it. it it's uh, Profligate spending is just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I've heard that, for example, is over $600 million maybe it's billion, I've forgotten now, in terms of waste from the uh, stimulus programs. Oh, yeah. So in one example, uh, the stimulus programs, but you got to put air quotes around stimulus. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> but they, um, they, they lost five times more money to unemployment fraud in the expanded unemployment than they spent on the COVID vaccines. So that tells you a lot about exactly how you know their priorities are and how effective they are at even pursuing their stated goals uh and it's actually it's just like milton friedman said right 
The problem with government is that they're fundamentally responsible for spending other people's money yeah. on other people. And it's not a recipe for frugality or efficiency or making sure you're getting a good product. It's a recipe for apathy and waste. Well, and it's also, you just take a look at the motivation to garner votes. People are trying to uh, get people on the plantation. I think the democratic uh, thrust is, is how can we make people dependent on government, which would help uh, them vote for us so we can keep the dollars coming in their direction. Right, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Who wants to be the politician taking away the quote-unquote free money? But somebody's got to do it because this this stuff can't continue. Well, it certainly can't. And I think there's going to be a piper to pay sooner or later. The the uh, This is all going to come due. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but uh, this spending over $31 trillion in debt right now, we can't afford that. We have to somehow, some way, stimulate the economy, get it growing again, and make the deficit a smaller percentage of uh, uh, the uh, of the of the uh, total budget. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, when interest rates go up, uh, that budget that the, the national debt you just mentioned is going to become a real problem in very fast. So interest rates have been uh, real interest rates are negative, but they've been below 1% for several years now. Because of inflation, they're going to raise interest rates. But as soon as they raise interest rates, interest rates were at 5 or 10% throughout much of the 20th century. As soon as interest rates go up, the, uh, the, de- the interest payments on the national debt recalculate every, I believe, 60 months. They're not set. So as soon as interest rates go up, uh, we're all of a sudden going to have to pay trillions of dollars in new federal taxes every year just to cover the interest on this debt. So I think, unfortunately, the American people have a habit of not dealing with problems until they've blown up in their face. Yeah. Uh, but I think once that happens, people will finally start to get it, that this cannot continue. I mean, you can see a 1% incre- increase, 1% only increase in, in terms of uh, the uh, amount we're paying on bonds. And all of that could represent a 20 30% increase in the cost of the federal government. Right. Yeah. I mean, this stuff adds up fast. It sounds small, but then all of a sudden you got a big problem on your hands. No question. Again, Brad Palumbo, a senior correspondent, domestic correspondent at the uh, Foundation for Economic Education. Just really encourage you to young people in your life and you too, kids of all ages, visit uh, FEE.org, FEE.org. Brad, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Professor Larry Bell. He's an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Was really a a big name in the space program back in the day. His latest book he co-wrote with Buzz Aldrin. It's called Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints: Pioneering the Space Frontier. He's also written books on climate change, the climate of uh, corruption. He's also written. Uh, scared witless, the prophets and prophets of climate doom, all so interesting. And he basically takes an interest in a topic. He's not funded by any particular point of view and uh, decides to look into it, does his research and writes books about it. It's just so interesting. Anyhow, we're going to be talking about his latest column in Newsmax. It's, his uh, column is called On Point. Biden pledges his U.S. penalized energy to EU, to the uh, European Union. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board to do great work, including creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's the exact opposite of what the... Uh, Biden wants to accomplish, but we're that's what we're doing. And I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of 10 books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, he co-wrote and co-authored with uh, Buzz Aldrin. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, I, I had a couple of candidates for uh, April Fool's. I included President Biden, Maxine Waters, and Kamala Harris, I gave examples at the beginning of the show. I was wondering if you had any examples or, or thoughts. Well, it's, you know, this is a tough, this is a tough uh, time to make those selections. You know, I have so many candidates. <laughs> um, but I've, I've got a, I've got one of yours. I, I've, I've got an article I'm posting today on Newsmax, and it's uh, who's worse, uh, Al Gore. John Kerry or FDR's ghost? Yeah, uh, FDR's ghost is uh, you know the, the notion that we have a president that is, has great FDR aspirations and and uh, you know it's uh, they kind they kind of build on one another. Oh, they really do, and uh, uh, I can't believe that. Uh, well, Al Gore, that's a name from the past. We don't hear much about Al Gore anymore, but boy, he's the one that started it all with regard to climate change and. Uh, 
I guess we have him to thank for that. Hey, you wrote a column, Biden pledges his U.S. penalized energy to the European Union. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, again, uh, evidence of uh, some uh, really strange decisions. But, you know, we have uh, circumstances today where, of course, the uh, U.S. is going through a you know, and, and the world in, in, in large is is having a, a big energy shortage. You know, to be you know, oil and gas, and uh, it's at a time when Russia has great leverage over um, the NATO countries, most particularly Germany, that build all these green turbines and so on. And they've got really uh, Germany depends on over half of its energy. Uh, and it depends on Russia, and uh, at this crucial time in Ukraine, and and you know, and, and very recently we've been our country, our president's been pleading with uh, Russia and OPEC and uh, Venezuela, even Iran, for to pump more oil at a time when it's has all these draconian policies to uh, you know to kill uh, gas here, the uh, pipeline. Uh, uh, permitting and drilling permitting and uh, of course the you know the um, pipeline uh, from Canada and meanwhile we he, he allows the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline to go through from from Siberia to uh, Transbaltic to Germany which makes their condition worse and now we're going to go into the, into the National Reserve and he's going to pull out all this his oil to kind of try to Lower the price pain, uh, as you, it won't do much, but it coming into 2022 uh, elections and so on. So we have all these policies where we're, and, and then he recently pledges, uh, along with uh, the European Commission, that we're going to provide more uh, of our energy, particularly our, our liquid natural gas and so on, to to help Europe, and and uh, at a time when. When uh, our own supplies are 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 down, so it's really uh, uh, a terribly uh, confusing policy, if, if we can call it a policy. And uh, and so, as as I mentioned, I mentioned the article. It's kind of like it's, it's worse than driving your car and stopping your road traffic and revving the engine because you know, like some like some fools do. But in this case, you know, we've got a country where. One foot is on the, on the gas pedal, and the other foot's on the brake, and we're pushing both of them like hell. And, and the car's belt, uh, you know, belching smoke, and they wonder why it's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, if you just think about it, I mean, they, they, want to, they tried to call a couple of the uh, CEOs of energy companies to come in and testify. But they, they, it's the first time I've ever heard this. They snubbed them, said, we're not coming. <laughs> So, which is great. But the other thing that's happening, I mean, if you were a CEO of an energy company, given the situation where you want, you know, they want to change over to uh, uh, alternative energy, even though that's impossible, how much risk are you willing to take to uh, drill new oil wells and to uh, do exploration when you know darn well they're trying to put you out of business? Yeah, and it's not just the companies that are are worrying. Of course, they're they're they're. they're uh affected by it, but they can't get the money. You know, the, the who's going to invest in something? Right. Where, where you know, uh, where the, 
the, the government is actually saying this is a temporary fix. You know, we want we want more pumping, but only temporarily, just to get us kind of through the election. And 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 you know these uh, like these permitting you know permits that have been held up. You know the and for some of these pipelines that have to connect, to, you know, to where the drilling is, uh, they can't get the permits, they can't get the oil out, and so they wait, you know, three four years to get a permit and and for a pipeline they can build in 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 eighteen months, and it can take them two decades to pay it off, and you so you've got these long-term loans that they have to, you know, they have to satisfy. At the same time, government say, oh, this is just going to be temporary. So why don't you, real quick, why don't you, you know, we'll release our permitting right now, uh, you know, you know, temporarily so you can bail us out. Yeah. <laughs> but just long, just long enough, just long enough to get us through the election. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing, too. I mean, in terms of public sentiment, polling demonstrates that people – they're not buying this uh, climate change thing. They want carbon-based fuels. They want cars that are run by gasoline or perhaps hybrids maybe, but uh, not necessarily electric cars. Uh, the, I think uh, any kind of public sentiment uh, to support this is fading. Well, you know, pocketbooks are, uh, are important uh, incentives for people. And a lot of stuff, you know, even when, you know, in the past I've seen these, these ads, you know, when you want to go green and, and you're Electricity. Well, all they're doing is getting offsets. I mean, there isn't there isn't an electric line that, go, that plugs into a tree somewhere. You know, we get we get <laughs> we, get our, we get our electricity from the same place, and so uh, and so they say. But these polls, they say, well, do you want green energy? Oh yeah, yeah, we want green energy. Well, how much would you pay? We want to pay for it. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, uh, extra. Extra. Sorry, in terms of extra, or you know, or a one dollar. Uh, so. The public perception of what these things cost, and everybody wants to feel that. Oh yeah, 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 sure, sure. Give me some green, give me some of that green stuff. Yeah. And and then realizing that you know that is is it's a total you know it's it's a total hoax. Well, virtue signaling costs money, unfortunately, when it comes to the Green New Deal. So uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, uh, your books, I just love the books that you wrote on uh, climate change. They are a really must read for people that uh, want to understand the the religion and the, the hoax behind all of this. Again, I'll just recommend uh, my favorite, which is uh, Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And happy Fool's Day. Happy Bob. April Fool's Day. Thank you, Professor. By the way, uh, his columns you'll find in Newsmax.com, On Point it's called, uh, his latest Biden's pledges, his U.S. penalized energy to the European Union. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. On Monday, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. And as usual, for the past 15 years, we're going to be talking about uh, current events. We'll also visit with Jim McTagg. Jim just came out with a new book. It's called No Problem. It's a sequel to the other two novels that he's written, uh, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. Jim is the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and we'll be talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill and around the world as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast and weekend or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.